Uh, Brother Stephen Drury, his good wife Evelyn, who's up in St. Louis, not able to be with us today, but are some of the finest people, Christians. I've known them for many, many years. They have been in ministry, I think, all of their adult life, going all the way back to when Brother Drury first uh, uh, pastored in Hennepin, Oklahoma. It's the great metropolitan area of 100 people. And he had a church of about 25 people, and the only other church in town was a Baptist church that had about 50 people. So they had three-fourths of the city that was in either the Baptist church or the Pentecostal church in Hennepin, Oklahoma. But by the time he left three years later, he was running 150. It sounds like he cleaned out that Baptist church is what it sounds like. <laughs> oh. But he has been involved in all different sorts of ministries and then um, was, uh, was picked at, a, at an early age just to, to run the Tubelo Children's Mess and, and has, he served in that capacity for 26 years. That's when I first met him uh, years ago when I was a young single evangelist. I used to go out there every year and preach their uh, youth group and they, they built a great church out there and grew that, that Tubelo Children's Mess and have touched literally thousands of young people's lives with just unbelievable Christian love and it's just an amazing thing. And then after that, he pastored uh, for a little while a great church down in uh, uh, Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas, and then was picked by our general superintendent to start the stewardship program of United Pentecostal Church, something that I had uh, requested a few years earlier. And I went through law school and went to a class called Federal Transfer Pathways, and I learned that all of these vehicles are available to Christians, and we don't know about them. But uh, at that time, I was a few years ahead of my time. I wrote a paper and sent it up to headquarters, but I was just ignored because I'm just a little pastor of a church in Palm Bay, Florida. But when they picked Brother Drury and they said, we want you to start the, the foundation and the stewardship department for United Pentecostal Church International Worldwide, I was so excited. And in the years that he has served in that capacity, he has blessed uh, the organization, churches, individuals, by just learning, taking all of that, using it for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And I just say with great confidence and admiration that we are delighted to have Brother Stephen Drury at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay. Would you make him feel welcome? You're going to love Brother Drury. God bless you in Jesus' name. For what? Well, God is good, isn't he? Well, I've been a little challenged here this morning. I, um, first of all, my iPad, which, you know, we get used to all these little, these little uh, uh, specialties. And um, would you believe a few weeks ago, the data service quit working? And I've taken it into Apple, and they say, sorry, we can't get it to work. So I kind of thought, well, start the new year off, I'll be... Uh, stewardship minded and I won't uh, I won't buy a new one I'll just continue using it and connecting to the internet wherever I am so I, I connect to my phone and would you believe in here my phone isn't working and so uh, I thought for a while I was going to be preaching from my phone uh, I could get it up on that but we finally have accomplished it but I want to tell you that uh, all is well and, and my notes are before me and I'll probably ignore them anyway but uh, at least I feel like I've got uh, something ahead of me. Today I'm going to uh, just tell you what a privilege and, and pleasure it is to be here with you. 
Uh, I'm going to use only one example that I've ever used before in my message today. God has given me what I feel like is a total different message for this church for this morning. And uh, I'm excited about what God wants to talk to us about. Uh, Brother Myers has been a part of almost our family in many ways. I still laugh about him talking about your mother and dad uh, not wanting to mow their yard and uh, concreting it and making it green so they wouldn't have to mow it. And, and I've used that example every place I've traveled almost because it is uh, so unique that they were able to take a, a practical approach to still have something looking green but uh, not have to worry about mowing it. Uh, been a few times I wish I could do that. But uh, it is a wonderful pleasure to be here today. I, I, I'm sorry my wife isn't with me normally. Uh, when I come to Florida, she uh, usually comes with me for some strange reason, especially in the winter. Um, but we have this little joke in our house. Every time in the winter months when I leave to go south, uh, it snows unbelievably in St. Louis. And so uh, my wife called me yesterday and said, oh, it is so cold here. But, and you're just down there where it's warm. And I said, Evelyn, it's the coldest it's been here, and I don't know when. And she just laughed. I don't know what the deal was. She just thought that was funny. But uh, I, I, perhaps the next time I can bring her with me. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here. Bishop Myers and Sister Myers, we have admired you for many, many years, and, and thank you for the great work you've done here. Are you ready for the word? Let's go to Galatians, the third chapter, verse 29, I want to speak to you on a message I've entitled today, Having the Blessing of the Blesser in Your Life. Having the Blessing of the Blesser in Your Life. How many want a blessing from the Blesser in your life? Amen? Now, for some of you, some of this could be just a little uh, elementary, but you know what I've discovered a long time ago? Every now and then we need to be reminded of what the Word has to say about why and how and the methods in which God wants to bless us. So we're going to read from Galatians, the third chapter, verse 29. And it says, And if ye be Christ, anybody here want to be Christ? Or a Christian? Then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs, or in the will of, or in the gifting of, or in the blessing of the promise of Abraham. Anybody like that promise? And then Genesis 24, 35. Genesis 24, 35. And the Lord hath blessed, if I could put in there, Abraham greatly. Everyone say greatly. And he is become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. He became wealthy. Would anybody like to have, maybe not a herd of cattle, maybe not even a bunch of camels, but you would like the blessings of items that you could use and worship God with and and be blessed by. Can I see anybody's hand who wants to be blessed by the blesser? All right. Let's pray right now and ask for his anointing upon the word. Heavenly Father, we come before you with, with thanksgiving in our heart for your word that guides us and leads us and, and directs us. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint your word today uh, and that you would allow the voice 
of your spirit to speak to our individual hearts here today to guide and lead us and to remind some of us again once today that you are the one to give the blessings and that we must follow your plan in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. You may be seated. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about tonight. Tonight I'm going to be on a very practical train of thought. When I was here, I think six years ago, I focused mainly on estate planning. But tonight I'm going to talk about providing and protecting your family from the scriptural standpoint. What do we use in today's society to fulfill the scripture, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, which says, He who cares not for his own, especially those of his own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or worse than an unbeliever. That's the word. We don't have farms to give to our families when we get too old to work, uh, unless there is somebody here who's a farmer. It used to be that everybody gave part of their farm, but it, things have changed. So I'm going to look at today, how do you provide for your family according to the scriptural promise that you or responsibility that you are to take care of your family. So I, 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 I'll, I'll help teenagers, I'll help college students. If you're just starting your career, if you're a young couple, if you're middle-aged, or if you're senior like I am, uh, I, I, I'm here to help you uh, be able to understand the mandate. Uh, I will answer questions if you die young. How are you going to fulfill that 1 Timothy 5 and 8 scripture? If you become incapacitated during your earning years, how do you fulfill that scripture so that you're not worse than an unbeliever? So my teaching tonight will be practical. I'll wrap it up with just maybe a minute or two about estate planning because most of us don't like to talk about the end of life and our passion of what we're going to do and so forth. Now, my wife and I have a burial plot already picked out, and I went because my mother is on the other side of where my wife and I are going to be, and, and, and I went to, to visit her burial plot the other day, and somebody was buried in my wife's spot. And, you know, he, he didn't listen to me to move over. So, thankfully, we got it resolved, and they moved him over, and, but my wife's still living, so everything's all right anyway, right? So anyway, just what I want to tell you is we're going to talk about some practical things, and the reason I'm going to talk about it is because there are 40 scriptures in the Bible about baptism. Anybody believe here you ought to be baptized? Amen. There's about uh, 250 on prayer and 350 on forgiveness and so forth, but there are 2,350 scriptures that deal with material possessions and wealth. Now, what do you think the Lord knew you and I were going to battle with? Stuff. Everyone say stuff. So what I've discovered here is that money is not a dirty word. And to talk about money from the scripture, if there are 2,350 verses in it, is not wrong. Matter of fact, I am of the commitment in my mind, having taught and uh, delved into it, that a minister, a pastor, is not being fair to you if they don't discuss the items of money and material possessions because you have to have everything in the right order and the right sequence to be blessed by the blesser. So 
what I've discovered when I look at this particular church, your pastor and, and your elders have done a great job here teaching you. But every now and then we need to be reminded. I, I think I've, I've heard a little bit about what you did this last year in Guatemala at the Hope Orphanage. Uh, some of you are going to Brazil, I believe, in a few weeks uh, to help put a roof on a church. Uh, some went to Honduras feeding people who live in the landfill and visiting children in an orphanage. Uh, and I believe your pastor's wife went to China, Beijing, uh, and, and they baptized uh, over 300 people or, or 300 people received the Lord uh, and became uh, uh, Christians. Uh, they've been to Zambia, Africa. They've been to... Dominican Republic, and you folks have built a church. You've started four daughter works. You're paying off your mortgage. You paid it off, and you're going to be burning it. You know what that all equates to? Money. Now, you talk about doing ministry. How many love doing ministry? How many love reaching those that are hurting? You love reaching those that are lost? It all takes some money. So we cannot ignore the fact that you're either going to be on the right or the left. Now, I'm not talking about the political thing that we're listening to right now for the next president. On Judgment Day, we're either going to be on the right hand of God or we're going to be on the left hand of God. Going to Matthew 25, 32 through 41, if you want to follow along with me, let me give you a little scriptural reading that someday we're all going to be judged how we have managed our stuff. So here it is in Matthew 25, 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Some of you didn't know you were called goats by God. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats will be on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has been preparing for you and me a heavenly place. How many want to go to that heavenly place when the trumpet sounds and we're caught up in the air to meet the Lord? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But you know what? Everybody's going to be in that right hand of God. So here it is. How do you get in the right hand of blessing? It says, For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw thee, when we saw thee a hungered, and when and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink, when we saw ye a stranger, and and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we thee sick or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king answered them and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When you go to these orphanages overseas and you clothe those kids who cannot find clothing, who cannot find the food, who cannot have a roof over their head, I'm here to tell you, when you give to do that, you have done it unto God, and He considers you on the right hand of His. Give yourself a hand clap for those who believe in that. So the question is, are you... Do you have enough money to give? 
Or are you so much in debt? Or are you so tight-fisted you can't help? There's more of the Scripture for you then. For Jesus said, I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Why? Because I was so far in debt, or I was so tight-fisted, that I couldn't bless you, get away from me. Folks, I don't want to be on the left hand. I want to be on the right hand of God. Amen. I want to be blessed by the blesser. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Is there somebody here who would give me a $100 bill real quick? You? Here's one. Well, I'm doing all right. Just two of them. Thank you. Wow. Give them both a great big hand. I'm going to keep this up here where I can see it. Not too many of those around in my life. So, here's what I want to say to you. I want to read another portion of Scripture in Matthew 6. Because some of you say, Preacher, the Scripture says I shouldn't worry about tomorrow. Why do I need to come tonight and listen to you about how to make sure you are caring for your family when the Scripture says to trust you, trust God? So let's read from Matthew, the 6th chapter, starting with verse number 25. It says, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither yet for your body, what ye shall put on. But the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Verse 28, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not, neither do they spin. And I say unto you, that even Solomon... In all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these uh, lilies of the field. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you of, oh, you little faith? So, Brother Drury, I can just live my life and not worry about the future. Right? Wrong. But it says, take no thought for what you're saying, what we shall eat or drink or Wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father know that you have need of these things. But here is the clincher. But seek ye first. What? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. So you have to understand, there is a plan. There is a process. There is a sequence of what you must be doing in order to get the blesser to bless you. Okay, I want one of you guys on the front row here that knows how to work one of these. Come on up here real quick. It's a, it's a bike lock. Now... You have to understand, we live only four miles from Ferguson. Now, anybody heard of Ferguson? Well, 
the bikes of my daughter and I on our back porch were stolen. So if I want to keep the bike that I bought now, which I bought a much nicer bike, guess what I do on my back porch? I lock it. So here are the numbers to open it. See if you can open it. Can't get it open. Huh. Now, I thought this was a, a smart young man. You thought so, too. Well, here's the whole deal. The same numbers. Are those the same numbers? So, give him a big hand clap. Now, you know what the difference was? They're in order. So some of you, you know what you ought to be doing for the blesser to bless you, but you hadn't got everything right in order yet. And so you've got to get it all in order before you can unlock the blessings of God. Amen. And you to be blessed by the blesser. So I want to help you out with this a little bit today. And I go back to verse number 33, which says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I think money is an important part of our lives. Try living without it. So... For me to talk about it from the pulpit is not a sin. Matter of fact, it can be a great big blessing because I want to help you get everything in sequence so the blesser can bless you. Now, given that money has such a sway over us, I'd like to refer to the wisdom of two unlikely authorities, Martin Luther and Sam Houston of Texas. Now, Sam Houston did have one thing correct. He said, when I got baptized, my pocketbook got baptized too. You've probably met Jim Smith, a former Chief Justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court. He and his wife and Evelyn and I went to the Yukon uh, uh, salmon fishing one time. We've been friends. He's, he's on the uh, board of New Beginnings as an advisor. Just a great apostolic man. A and the story behind that comes from his wife, who was reading in the scripture that you could speak in tongues and it was the promise. And in her church, which I won't name, they had, she had never heard that taught. So she literally went into her closet, closed the door, and said, God, if it's your promise, and I believe that's what the word says, I don't understand why I'm not hearing that in my church. And she said, I want to be filled with that spirit. I don't know where to go. And God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Well, here's what happened. She got excited. How many of you got excited when God filled you with the Holy Ghost? I tell you what, she went that next service uh, to her church, uh, and when the minister got up before she know it, knew it, she went, whoop, 
Oh, thank God. You know, and everybody got quiet and looked at her. What's wrong with her? After all, she's the Supreme Court justice's wife, right? Well, the, the, the pastor came to her and said, you've got to calm down. We, we're not quite used to that. What happened? And boy, she told him exactly what happened. God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She pointed it out in the Scripture. Why aren't you teaching us and preaching us this word? Amen. And he knew he had a problem on his hands. Well, let me tell you, she came back the next week and she got all excited because she'd been in her prayer closet every day and God was giving her a blessing and an anointing. Amen. And so she started worshiping God and it was the most amazing thing. She came to church just all pent up with emotion and thanksgiving for what God was doing for her. And when they started the singing, boy, she started raising her hands and stood up and worshiped and the ushers came and got her and ushered her out. So we go to district camp meetings, and every Thursday night in Mississippi, all of the politicians show up on the platform. Well, Evelyn and I was sitting on the right-hand side of the, of the tabernacle, and in came the district superintendent's wife, and, and, and she had beside her this beautifully dressed lady in her beautiful high heels, and she was carrying a pair of tennis shoes with her. We didn't know who it was. She came prepared, my friend. And here's what happened. As soon as they started the worship song, she kicked off her high heels, put on her tennis shoes, and brother, when they started worshiping God, she was just all over that pla- all over the front of that church, uh, worshiping and dancing and thanking God, and, and she was excited about what God had done for her. It wasn't until they introduced all the the governor and the lieutenant governor, and now we want the Supreme Court justice. uh, And he said, uh, I'm so thankful to have my wife here with me tonight. Uh, Would you stand? She is over there in her tennis shoes, uh, worshiping God when he got up there and talked about it. But here's what happened behind the scenes. Can you believe they started going to Jerry Wayne Dillon's church? Yeah. I think he drinks two Red Bulls before he goes on the platform. He is wound up plus. He started preaching, you need to be buried in the name of Jesus. Can you believe that? She was baptized, and then he said, I want to be baptized. And Brother Dylan said, well, now there's a changing room back there, and you can get in a robe and, and, uh, and so forth. He said, oh, no, I need to be baptized in my suit. He says, that's the way I dress every day, and I need me baptized the way I am, that the public sees me because I want them to see there's been a change in me. He said, well, take the billfold stuff out of your pocket. Oh, no. He said, my money needs to get baptized, too. And when they buried him in the name of Jesus, he was in his suit with his billfold in his pocket, and he, everything that he had was buried in the name of Jesus. Folks, I'm here to tell you, you better get everything that you have in your name buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to get rid of any pride. And you need to say, God, I want you to use me and baptize everything that I have and everything I do with your blessings. Martin Luther put it this way. There are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart. That happens here in this auditorium. Conversion of the mind. 
that new mind that God puts in you. You think different. You act different. You want to be different. How many know that that happened to you when you were filled with the Spirit of God? You became a new creature in Christ. Thank God that He changes us. Uh, some of you, I, I've seen pictures of some folks before and after. I'd be scared of them if I met them before. But thank God we are different. And then he said, you have to change your purse. Well, now, I don't carry a purse. I carry a billfold. Thank God. My wife has MS. She has a brace on her leg, and sometimes I have to carry her stuff. You ought to be, it's interesting how some people will look at me when I'm carrying her purse. Sometimes I kind of put it underneath my coat. But I'm here to tell you whether it's your purse or your billfold, folks, you better have a conversion of it and realize that you don't own one thing. When you get that in your mind and get that in your heart and you understand you came with how much into this world. And the Bible says you're going to leave this world with how much? I heard about the, the man that made his wife promise she had put 10 $100 bills in the casket. She did. But as is customary, the families are the last ones to go by the casket. She slipped in a check for $1,000 and took out the $10, $100 bill. Pretty smart lady. You see, the Bible never taxed wealth per se. Now, let me, let's get a clear picture of how God, or how Jesus uh, referred to wealth. He tells the story of Zacchaeus, and we aren't going to read all of the scriptures in the 19th chapter of Luke, but you know, he was on his way to, uh, he, he was in Jericho, and Jesus was coming by, and, and he was the chief of the publicans, and the Bible literally says he was rich. Everyone say he was rich. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, and, and he's kind of like me, he's kind of short of stature, and, and unlike me, he was thin enough, I suppose, to climb a sycamore tree. If I did that, I'd get stuck and you'd have to call the fire department to get me down. But he got up in the sycamore tree and as Jesus passed by, he called him out, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house today. And you know what? The people, they started grumbling. Can you believe he's going to go have dinner with a sinner? Oh, let me get off of... My message just a little bit to tell you, if you don't have some sinners that you're meeting with every now and then and, and bringing to the house of God and being a witness to, I don't think you're very Christ-like. How are you going to win this world if you never become friends with those who don't know God? Well, I better get back on my message. He said, I'm going to come down, or you come on down and I'm going to go to your house, and, and after all that murmuring... Uh, Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, behold, half of my goods I'm going to give now to the poor. I've had a conversion of the pocketbook, and, and I've taken anything away from anyone falsely. I'm going to restore to him full, fourfold. But this is what Jesus said. This day is salvation. Everyone say salvation. 
come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. You see, Jesus wasn't worried about his money. He was worried about his salvation. And he knew if he got his salvation right, his money was going to be all right. Folks, I'm here to tell you, if you're tight-fisted with your money, I think there's something wrong with your salvation. Because you realize you don't own anything when you get your salvation. You've just been blessed by the grace of God. Anybody here been blessed by the grace of God? Now, God bless you, brother. And who was the young man that brought this up here? What, you mind standing for a second? What's your name? Kevin? You always carry one of these $100 bills around? No. Have you had very many of them in your billfold? Now, you know why he was so willing to bring this up? I, I love this, young, this man over here, this young man over here, but you know why Kevin was able to bring it up so quickly? Huh? What? I made sure he had it before he came in here, and so it wasn't his to begin with. It was mine to begin with. And you know what? It's amazing. He was able to give my money away so easily. Did you notice that? Here's what I want to tell you, folks, Kevin. When you realize everything you have doesn't even belong to you to begin with, and God says, give it, guess what? You stand up and say, Pastor, I'm going to give to that offering because it wasn't mine to begin with. I just want to be blessed by the blesser, and I want to thank him that I have some money in my checking account. I want to thank him because I have some money in my billfold, and I want to be blessed. And so it isn't mine to begin with, so here it is, God. You know what happens? Sometimes He blesses us above and beyond. You see, wealth in itself, money in itself isn't the root of all evil. It's the love of money. You see, money has become our God. So 1 Timothy 6.10, Timothy says it clearly. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after. And then I noticed this. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Erred from the faith. Can you say that with me? Erred from the faith. You know what that tells me? It tells me you and I can be walking along here in life and we've been doing good and we've been giving and we've been sacrificing and, and we got everything all in line and all of a sudden we fall back in love with the money and we need a heart conversion, a mind conversion, and a pocketbook, box, pocketbook conversion once again. And if you're that kind of a person here today, don't continue in your airs. Get the sequence of things right. culture of money is our number one false god. And I think if you're having trouble giving to God's work, tithes and other gifts, it's a sign that it has become one of your idols. I heard the story one time about 
the businessman, who came to the altar and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for my business because I really would like to pay more tithes and give more offerings to the church. Came down, pastor got out the oil and the anointing. How many believe in laying on of hands? And you know what? God opened it up. He started giving more tithes and more offerings. And one day he came to pastor when he became a multimillionaire. I said, I just, I can't give that much. pastor said, well, come up again and we're going to pray for you. He came up. The pastor laid hands on him, anointed him with oil and said, Lord, reduce his income to where he can. And the pastor didn't get it all out. He felt that tap on his shoulder. That's all right, pastor. I'm healed. You see, Carl Menninger, a famous psychiatrist, once said, stinginess is a symptom of sickness. And he said, generous people are rarely mentally ill. He also said that fears are educated into us and can, if we wish, be educated out. Folks, uh, if the devil has tried to educate you, you can't afford to pay your tithes uh, and you can't afford to give. Uh, you need to be re-educated here today uh, and you not be one of those that's going backwards, uh, but instead you're going forward uh, and you say, God, uh, I want to get everything in the right sequence uh, so you can unlock the blessing uh, from you, the blesser upon my life. Uh, can I hear an amen? So the scripture makes it clear, if you are to be Christ, if you will be Christ or a Christian, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now when you look at the promise in Genesis 17, and we aren't going to read all those scriptures, but Abram was 90 years old before he learned the secret. But when he learned the secret... It became the promise to all of the natural Jews and us spiritual Jews when God made a promise that he was going to multiply and bless him exceedingly and above. So how many believe that God knows how he can do that? Now, we all sat under the great S.G. Norris. And he said a Jew could find a tin can on the street Saturday night and open up a hardware store on Monday morning. You think about it. You talk about being blessed. They were blessed. Now, in all the kids that we raised at the children's mansion, there was one who came to my wife one Sunday morning and said, may I speak to you? And she said, sure. And they went off to the side. He said, over here, if you don't mind, because I don't want the other kids to hear what I'm asking you. And he looked my wife in the eye as he put his arm around her shoulder and said, I just want you to know if you ever want a son, I'm available. Would you believe two weeks later he was living in our house? 
It took a couple years to terminate parental rights, but then he be, but he immediately changed his charts on the ACE charts to James Drury. He dropped off that porter. He wanted to be a Drury. And guess what? He has equal rights with the other kids that were naturally born to us, even though he's adopted. So when we are adopted into the family of God, we have the same promise that was given to the children of Abraham. Can I hear an amen? Now this isn't a, a blab it and grab it or say it and claim it. There's a sequence to it. And it was, came about in the very first family. Now some folks talk about tithing, that it's no longer a part of the New Testament covenant. But it wasn't a part of the first Testament law, it was 400 years before the law was ever spoken, Cain and Abel understood that they were to bring something to God as a sacrifice. And when you read the story in Genesis, the fourth chapter, you'll discover that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering. Everyone say offering. But Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock, and Cain said, but unto Cain his offering was not respected, and he got very upset, and his countenance fell. Now you know what he did. He killed his brother. He got so angry because his brother's firstling, first fruits of his herd were blessed. So God says to Cain, why now the sad countenance? You knew I had to be first, but you gave me some that was left over. But your brother gave me the firstlings. You see, God had no respect to Cain because he didn't have everything in the right sequence. Oh, he knew that he was supposed to give. He had the numbers down, but he didn't have things in the sequence they need to be in. You can't unlock God's blessings if you don't do first things first. Now, Abel, I'm able to bless because he has the sequence right. He put me first. Everyone say first. Leviticus 27:32 and concerning the tithes of the herd or the flock even of whosoever passeth under the rod the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord now here's what happened they would run their flock through and the first one would be tagged with a red marker or a piece of paint if you please red paint and nine more would go through and then they'd mark the next one because why they wanted to make sure they gave God the first of everything. Folks, I'm here to tell you that's the reason some of you are still struggling. You haven't learned the sequence. You want to give a little here and give a little there. But you need to understand, you need to make your tithing as the first of your blessing to God. Now, I have a little saying that there's only two things you can, redo, you can do with your tithe. You can either return them, or you can steal them. May I say it again? 
There's only two things you can do with the first dollar of every dollar you get when you get paid. You can either return it to God or steal it. John Rockefeller, he said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. Let that sink in. Now, some of you here today are frustrated with bills and debts. I've never heard it taught this way, but this is my personal conviction, Pastor. And if you disagree, you can tell the folks. Some of you who are up to your eyeballs in debt with credit cards, you've bought things and it's in your house and you've used money of somebody else's that has never been tithed on So therefore, the stuff you've purchased is stolen goods. I've never heard anyone teach that, but it's Steve Curry's personal conviction as I've been in the stewardship department for about 12 years now, and I've helped one-on-one people who have debt, and they're up to their eyeballs and credit cards. It's because you've wanted more than you've been blessed with yet. And so, therefore, some of you have some stuff in there. You've never paid the tithes first on it, and therefore you're struggling every day. And when you come to the house of God, you're not even free to worship. And when they give you an opportunity to, to give a gift of blessing to minister in Honduras or Brazil or wherever, you cannot give a dollar because you've already got so much stolen goods in your house? Some of you are driving a stolen car. Some of you are wearing clothes that's been stolen. Malachi 3.9, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. The reason this nation is in such a mess is because we are living on credit instead of what God has blessed us with. Folks, we've got to get it under control. And you know where it's going to start? It needs to start in the house of God. Return the first to God and then live off of the 90%. Don't live on credit cards. Boy, some of you may aren't shouting yet with, yet with me. Uh, but if you ever get out of debt, you'd be shouting with me and saying, You're right, preacher. You're right, preacher. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free indeed. You want the blessing of the blesser. Get out of debt. Now, I know sometimes you have to buy a car and and a house or you'd never be able to to do that. But I'm here to tell you, you realize the freedom when you get out of debt. You'll shout just like that uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice's wife did. You'll bring instead of your hard shoes, you'll bring the tennis shoes, preacher, and you'll start praising God, I'm free, I'm free, my sins have been washed away, I'm debt free, I can give to God, I can give to His kingdom. Do you hear me today? So you get the sequence right first is return 
Everyone say return. Or fear. That's the first secret. The second thing is you learn to be generous. Remember I told you generous people are seldom mentally ill. Just thought I'd put that in. I was at the children's mansion heading it up, and you know, you go through ebbs and flows of finance. One time we were struggling, Bishop. I went to the Lord in prayer. I've been to 26 camp meetings this last year with 33 kids on a bus, and I've tried to keep everything going. I've done everything I can. I need a word. We had up to 102 children, and or three, I think it was, and by the time you fed them breakfast, lunch, and supper, and they thought they would die when they got out of school if they didn't get a snack between lunch and supper, and they were underprivileged for sure if you didn't give them a snack before they went to bed. I figured if we were serving 140,000 meals a year altogether, you know how much food it takes in the house? And we were struggling. I said, Lord, now, why is it that I am struggling so to provide for these kids that you asked me to do? I didn't even apply for this job. Seven others did. Seven other families applied for it. Evelyn and I didn't apply for it. And the board pointed us. I was only 27 years of age. How many of you would like to have 100 kids to be responsible for the food on the table at 27 years of age? I have a prayer journal, and I have a Thanksgiving page in there. And one of them is God provided miraculously over and over and over again. But you know what? I still had to look at the sequence of things. So I was down praying and saying, God, and you know, S.G. Norris came to my mind again. And he said, there's one reason the Dead Sea is dead. It doesn't give. It doesn't have any outflow. I said, okay, God, help me out. He gave me this picture of all these people in town who were giving us some food. And, and there was a, a Walmart distribution center about 20 miles away. And every now and then they couldn't sell all the cantaloupe or all the watermelon or, or some other vegetable. And they'd bring a truckload. Now, if you can imagine a semi-load of cantaloupe at one time... For a hundred kids. Or lettuce, or whatever it was. What I was discovering, Bishop, is that everybody was coming down there when they heard the word. And they were filling up their refrigerator, and they were freezing stuff. They were hoarding. And the Lord said, Steve, that's where your problem is. You're hoarding. Give it away. Hmm. So I went down to the head of the food service area, Randy Boyd, and I said, Randy, I want you to go through the yellow pages. Anybody remember what the yellow pages used to be? And I want you to find any humanitarian service in town that could use free food, and I want you to call them and find out who the contact person is. I want you to write down 
the, the ministry name or the business name that provides services in town. And, and I want you to find out who the food service person is and their number. And I want you to list it. And when we get something, I don't want you to let people hoard. I want to give away what we can't use within a reasonable amount of time. Start at the top of the list, and I want a checklist where it has several columns, and because I'm believing we're going to get a lot given to us by this, because we're going to open up that Dead Sea. And so he started at the top one, and the second one, and the third one, and everything was gone. When another load of something different came in, he started with the fourth one, and the fifth one, and the sixth one, and and another load of something came in, he started with the seventh and the eighth one, and then we started over again. Here's what we discovered. There were all kinds of people in town giving different things, uh, whether it would be a banquet or whatever, and they were trying to decide who they were going to give it to next. When they discovered that we were sharing it, you know what they all did? They started giving it all to us and letting us distribute it. We had more because we opened up the Dead Sea and God met all of our needs. Folks, some of you have been tight-fisted. You know what? You can't hang on to something and give it away. And you can't open up if you're tight-fisted for God to bless you. So some of you are like the monkeys. Oh, boy. I've never used this before. But what I read the other day is that in Africa and India, to catch a monkey in the tree, they would open up a coconut they put some nuts or some bananas inside and they put a string on the other end. And when the monkey reached in and got his fist in, he, it was narrow to get his hand in, but he would get it, his fist full and then they would pull the coconut and the monkey out of the tree because he wouldn't let go. Some of you won't let go of what God has blessed you with. And then you're wondering why you're struggling. Folks, uh, you need to quit stealing the ties. Uh, and you need to be open-fisted with God. Because I know a God who wants to bless you. Amen. The blesser wants to bless you. But our problem is uh, we aren't able to be blessed because we are not open-handed. Two stories and I'm going to close. My best friend Albert Skaggs died two years ago in March. Albert Skaggs was raised in a family with just one bedroom and there were nine kids. Cold area of Kentucky. No inside plumbing until he was 17. But his mother taught him to ride his bicycle, deliver papers and pay tithes and give money for missions. He started a business 35, 36 years ago, and he learned to tithe what his business gave, made, as well as what he made. You did hear that, didn't you? Because he knew where it was coming from. I watched him. He had a 1950 Chevy convertible, his most favorite car, in classic condition. He went to a mission service, and the Lord told him to give it. He said, God, can I, can I sell it and give him the money? No. Give the car. But it's my favorite car, God. You, you should have heard him tell the story. 
How many of you would like to have a classic 1957 red convertible? And you know what? He said, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. He marched up to the altar. He gave that 1957 classic convertible Chevrolet to Global Missions. He ended up, before he quit, before he passed away, he had every 56, 57, 58 Chevrolet in red, white, and blue convertible sedan and hardtop. He had 27 of those classic cars, amen, because he was willing to give and God gave back. He gave 100000 at a time to global missions and North American missions and, and other ministries. And in 2008, he was a contractor. 2011, he was a contractor. All of the others in Seymour, Indiana went out of business, but he never missed one payroll because God blessed him because he was a giver to the kingdom. And so, let me close with my own personal story. I didn't have much time to do anything when we lived at the children's mansion because we had the school, we had the church, we had the unwed mother's home that Evelyn and I personally started, the adoption agency, New Beginnings that we started, and the mansion. I served as chairman of the budget committee for the district. I was section secretary. I was secretary of the long-range planning committee, secretary of the of the uh, men's ministry. And my district superintendent had enough nerve to give me a book on how to live a balanced life. I said, Brother Travis, I'm going to have to give up all my jobs helping you. So I didn't have much time for personal pleasure other than take my families on vacation. And I did that. But my wife had this little Cavalier convertible. We moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and I'm finally able to, to have some free time, and I asked her if I could drive her convertible. She said, no, I'm enjoying it. I said, well, I want a convertible. And I made up my mind, for some strange reason, I wanted a little red Miata convertible. So I started saving for it. Would you believe missionary Scotty Sladen came through And God said, give that $2,500 you have saved for that convertible. I wrote out a check and I gave it. The next day on Monday, I was still looking through the one ads for a red Miata convertible. I didn't have a penny to my name. But it felt good. On Thursday, I get a call from Brett. I'd already been there long enough that I did his grandma and grandpa's funeral. And he said, Pastor, he said, who would I contact at the children's mansion to give them this little car? I want it for the kids to drive. And I said, well, got a little problem there because if the kids drive something owned by the mansion, they don't have enough liability insurance. So the only way that happens is if the house parents get a little extra coverage and they let the kids drive. Because if they're sued, the children's mansion sued, they're going to go for the deep pocket, so we can't do that. Oh, that's sad, because I had a little Miata I wanted to give her. I said, really? I said, well, what if I bought it from you and you gave the money to the mansion? He said, that, that sounds good. 
but you might want to see it. I said, okay. I went the next day during his lunch hour, and he pulled it out, and guess what color it was? Red Miata convertible. He said, take it for a drive. I took it for a drive, and I came back. Boy, did that ever feel good. I'm short enough. It, I looked pretty good in it. It was red like my hair. And it was brighter than my wife's convertible. I said, well, I need to know how much you need so I can go get a loan. He said, oh, that's all right. It's yours. He said, I just recently got a divorce, and it says in the decree, if I sell anything, i got to give her half of it. It's yours. <laughs> now, folks, you can take it at however you want to take it. But I'm here to tell you, I was dancing and shouting the next service because you know what? That would have cost me a whole lot more than I gave away, and I would have been making payments on it instead of having it free of charge. But you see, when you put the sequence together, you pay your tithes first, you return it instead of stealing it, and then you become generous with what God has trusted you with. All of a sudden, you're going to find that you have money that you didn't have before. Come up here, young man. As they come to the music, I just want to tell you that I want to gift this to you because you were so willing to be generous with me. Give him a big hand clap. As we stand together today, I ask you, do you have the right sequence together? Have you figured out that for you to be blessed by the blesser, the first thing you need to do is quit stealing? It didn't belong to you to begin with. You came into this world with nothing, you're going to leave this world with nothing. Everything that we have in our name between the time we take our first breath and our last breath still belongs to God. He is the owner of everything. Amen. And we're just blessed by His blessing. Amen. My friend, you can have yours back. Let's give Him a hand clap for being willing to be so generous today. Anybody want blessings? How is that I ended up without any? He has an extra one now. You know what? God is good. How many believe God is good? Come on, let's give him a praise. If you're struggling with the sequence, if you're struggling with the sequence, of how to let the blesser bless you. Today you need to make a commitment. God, I'm going to try it your way. You know, I've yet to ever hear somebody say, I'm so sorry. I return my tithe. I've never, ever. I've been in the ministry 47 years now. I have yet to hear. I have yet to hear. Anyone say, I regret returning to God what belonged to Him. Matter of fact, I've heard all of the opposites. My father-in-law, just an old-time Pentecostal preacher, he promised his congregation, if you pay your tithes and God doesn't bless you, I'll return them. He told me, Steve, I've never had to return one dollar because I've watched God bless above and beyond. Some of you need the baptism of your heart, mind, and pocketbook today. Anybody here want the blessing of the blesser? Heavenly Father, 
This church has been a blessed church. They've been blessed over and over and over again by good leadership, teaching, exampling, sacrificing. And look what the Lord has done. But as we read the scripture that some go backward. If there's anyone here today that has gone backwards. That you would help them see they need to get the sequence in order again. Returning what belongs to you. Getting rid of the stolen goods in their house. And saying, God, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to only use that. 90% 90% that's left over to give and to take care of my family and myself. You know what, folks? It just takes a commitment. I want the blesser to bless me. Anybody here could raise your hand. I want the blesser to bless me. Why don't you pray your own prayer right now and say, God, I make a commitment to you. I make a commitment. I'm not going to steal one dollar, one penny that belongs to you. Instead, Lord, I'm going to give. Can we pray together right now? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. God, we stand before you, Lord, receiving your word into our hearts and into our lives. We ask you, Lord, to change us. Change our thinking, Lord. Fears, God, that we may have. We ask you, Lord, that they would be abated. They would come with confidence. It would be upon all of your people today. Say, Lord, we trust you with our soul. We can trust you with our substance. In the name of Jesus. I want to open up this altar this morning and invite you to come forward. You say, Pastor, I just want to pray that God would just open up the windows of heaven. I need a blessing in my life. Where I'm ready to give everything to God. My heart, my life, my soul. I wonder if you would just step out from where you're standing right now and just come down to this altar. I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon every single individual. Just come and stand down here and just say, Lord, everything I have, I recognize that it all comes from you anyhow. The Bible says every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is what God has ordained throughout his word. Just come down here and stand at this altar. By so doing, you're making a commitment. Lord, I put everything, everything, Lord, under you. You're going to be the first priority of my life. With my time, my talent, my treasure, Lord. That's it. Just make your way down right now. Just lift up your hands. Let it be a commitment right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon your people. You said, Lord, you would make them the head and not the tail. In the name of Jesus. Lord, it's not your plan, God, that your people struggle. Oh, God, that there would be a blessing. That they would be freed up in their mind and their emotions to worship you and to glorify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we commit, Lord, to you to be generous, to be open-hearted, open-handed, oh, God. 
Whatever you desire, God, we put it before you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are great, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Lord, as your word instructed us to do, we rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. For the enemy that would try to steal and destroy. Let the devourer be rebuked, God, for your people. In the name of Jesus, open up the windows of heaven, O oh God. I pray a blessing upon your people, God. Bless every family. Bless every marriage. Bless every home. I pray that jobs would multiply, Lord. Your people would be promoted, God. Make them kings and priests, Lord, according to your word. Let the blessing, God, that you pronounce to Abraham, let it be upon your adopted children. We commit it all to you, Lord. We commit it all to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 